0: Before I get into the Word, I need to pray some peace for some of you all, because I know what the 18th is. Tax Day is here. Praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, I thank you for supernatural peace, especially for those of us who waited to the very last minute. Praise the Lord. God, you are still our source, still our provider. For those who have been working hard on on, on doing people's taxes, to to Alma, to Mark, Lord, I thank you for strength today. That even even though you've been dealing with other people's finances, you're in the house of God because this is where your faith lies, in his presence. Strength for them today. Ladies and gentlemen, no worries. Listen to me, no worries. If you are in covenant with God, God's got you. If you're not yet, then you need to get in covenant with God because you're clearly giving Caesar what's Caesar's. So give to God what is God's and watch how God will take care of what belongs to Caesar. Amen. Amen. Are we good? Okay, we made room praise the lord if you have your bibles with me today if you have your bibles today because i also recognize there is food down there waiting and you are probably um ready for oh don't don't sit don't sit just yet don't sit just yet please stay standing please stay standing i remember kirk frank that said one time if we was in a club we'd still be standing come on right? keep standing. keep standing i'll give you a moment i'll give you a moment we stand in, in honor of the Word of God. That's the only reason I'm asking you to stand. I'm not trying to be religious about this. We're trying to break down the walls of all religion. Okay, Luke chapter 6. So all week long, I was just, this is going to be honest with you. Post-resurrection, you're, okay, what do I preach now? What's, what's really better than the resurrection? What do I, what do I come up with? It? And, and I realized that as I was thinking about you know taxes and thinking about tax collectors and thinking about Zacchaeus, and I was, I was thinking about the, the, the tax collector who came before God humbly, uh, realizing he was a sinner, amen, like, like most tax collectors are. Come on, somebody, amen. Bunch of sinners. Uh, I felt the Lord really just kind of pointing me in this direction, that there are men and women here that need something more than just the religious expression and experience of Easter and Christmas. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. So I want to give you Jesus today. Let's go. Luke chapter 6, verse 5. Because just, just in case you didn't know this, and forgive me for, for I guess, abs- assuming certain you are ignorant of this, the word Sabbath that we're getting ready to read about, the word Sabbath refers to Saturday. It is the holy day that the Jewish people would, would ultimately celebrate and set apart no work. It was their day of worship, their day to just rest, because God works for six days, and on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath day, it's a holy day, it's a day of rest. Not that God ever rests, he just rested from his work of creation, okay? God never sleeps nor slumbers. But he knew how he designed us in his image, we need to work, but we also need a day of rest. So what happened ultimately is, after the resurrection, we started realizing that the Sabbath was no longer about a day, it was just about a day of rest to celebrate the risen Savior. The revelation came in the New Covenant when all of a sudden now we're no longer just worshiping on Saturday. We're worshiping every day. Every day is the Lord's day. But in particular, the reason Sunday became our day of worship because it's the first day of the week. And Jesus resurrected on the, not the last day, the first day to show us he's the firstborn from the dead. And so what became now just very easy for the Christians to then say we were Jews but we've been now saved, we've been brought to a new covenant and this new covenant has, a, has a, a, a new way of doing things and part of the way of doing this is just simply saying on the first day, let's not give God the last day, let's give God the very first day of the week so all the other days can be blessed. So what ends up happening is now they set apart Sunday as the day of worship. For those of you who are either a Seventh-day Adventist or maybe you were a Jew growing up, I honor the Sabbath day. Amen. But my Sabbath day is not Saturday. My Sabbath day is any day God gives me a chance to rest and just worship. That's my Sabbath. That's what Sabbath means. And in just in case you thought that we were made for the Sabbath and didn't realize the Sabbath was made for us, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay? So on another Sabbath, on a Saturday, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled or, or withered. Okay. Now I don't know about, about most of you, but have have you ever maybe maybe felt the pressure to act like everything's okay? Have you ever you ever felt that pressure, especially in church, to pretend like you're all good? You put on the smile as best you can. You 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 do everything you can to make us think you're okay, but what you're really doing is you're, you're hiding your weakness. And here's what I need you to know. This is what makes Jesus so much better than every other religious person that has ever lived. Because Jesus shows up on a Sabbath day, and he creates an atmosphere where our weaknesses can be revealed. Keep reading with me. Verse 7. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, look, there's the religious people. We're looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. Is that what they showed up at church for? Come on, what, what, why did you show up today? Were you looking to hold up your scorecard about the service today and let me know how good I did? Were you, are you just here for the food? Awesome, it's gonna be fantastic and I'm glad, but before we get there, is our mindset that of a Pharisee where we're looking to accuse someone else of something, not doing it the way we, we believe they should, the way we were taught, they should. So here are the Pharisees they're looking for a reason to accuse Jesus what did they do? They watched him closely. Ooh can we learn something from some Pharisees? If you're going to look at anybody just keep your eyes closely locked on Jesus they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath but Jesus knew what they were thinking Ooh, I love this about my Savior you can hide your thoughts from me and put the, the smile on your face but he knows what's really going on in your head and in your heart right now they, Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he looked at the man. He wasn't even going to say anything. But he looked at the man with a shriveled hand. And he said, get up and stand up in front of everyone. So that man, here he was, with his weakness, stood up now in the middle of the entire congregation. Now, you've heard me say this before. I've preached this before. I refer to this kind of contentious, religious, but miraculous kind of environment as the Jesus atmosphere. There's, there's something about the Jesus atmosphere because what religion cannot discern and what religion cannot diagnose, when Jesus shows up, he makes all the difference. This, this Jesus atmosphere. And so, and so I just need you to know this about the Jesus atmosphere. He tells this man, he wasn't even going to say anything, but he tells the man, oh, I know what they're thinking. Stand up. Let everybody see you. Here's what the Jesus atmosphere does. There is no hiding in the Jesus atmosphere. You, just, you can try to sit there and act like nobody sees you. Nobody will recognize you. I'm in a dark corner of the room and there's no light on me. So pastor won't be able to point me out. But you can't hide from Jesus when he's in the room. And here's what he does when he shows up. Erroneous doctrine gets exposed. Demons get exposed when jesus shows up literally doubters and deception and disease and even death gets exposed. Why? Because he is more than just a way maker. Somebody can identify in this house and help me testify. He doesn't just do make a way. He is the one who makes a difference in my life. Somebody put your hands together and testify to this truth. When when I couldn't find a way, he made a way. When religion couldn't make a difference, he showed up and made the difference in my life. Verse 9. So Jesus says to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? What's the right thing to do on the Sabbath? What pleases God on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? Of course, they said nothing. And he looked around at all of them. I love how Mark's account, I threw it in for you. Mark's account tells us what what happened. Jesus was angry and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said nothing so finally he said okay because you've got nothing to say you mister right there with the weakness with the thing you're trying to hide and conceal you right there look what he says to him he says stretch out your weakness stretch out your deformity stretch out your pain stretch out the thing you're trying to keep hidden. Because I see it and I know it. Stretch out your hand. And when the man did so, his hand was completely restored. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for your word. Tiana, do you got that, that video for me real quick? Do you got that video? I just want to show you. This this is, this is what it's like. right? I'm trying to carry my burdens instead of giving them to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Amen. Would you do me a quick favor? Would you? Would you just? Would you just literally just like grab someone's hand near you right now? Grab someone's hand near you and just tell them my subject for today. The tell them hand it over, hand it over. Amen. You may be seated today. You may be seated today. Amen. Mackenzie, ever happened? Did anybody anybody who used to work at Starbucks ever ever had to have something like that? Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah kinda. Hand it over. Hand it over. Parents in the room. Parents in the room. Come on, parents. Identify yourself. God bless you. God help you. Oh, Lord. I'm a parent of four. and Here's what I've learned about this term, hand it over. It's a phrase that parents understand better than anyone else. Come on, hand it over. When your kids were babies and they were putting everything in their mouth, hand it over. When they got a little bit older and they wouldn't share, they refused to share their toys with their siblings, hand it over. When they became teenagers and they got a cell phone and they're looking at things they shouldn't and they're not listening to you and they're not cleaning the room, guess what? Hand it over. This is how it works. We, as parents, we understand this phrase. I came to speak to some adults today, though. And I came to tell you, you're feeding yourself some stuff that ain't got no right going in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart. Hand it over. I came to tell some full-grown adults in this place today, there are some things you're being stingy with, and you're refusing to share the blessings God has given you. Hand it over. And dare I say, there are some of you in this room, you are hiding something today. But Jesus sees you, and in the Jesus atmosphere, he's telling you, hand it over. Hand it over. I realize within our family structures, within our our friendships, God help us, especially within church. We have developed an atmosphere where our weaknesses are hidden. And think about it: if the structure of my family, and the structure of my friendships, and the structure of my churches, I can't come in and share with you where I'm really hurting, where I'm really struggling, what's really going on in my life, and what was supposed to be the, the people and the places where I find help have now become the people and the places where I conceal my problems. I know why. Because I know what's going on in your head. If they really knew what I did. If, if they really knew what I'm struggling with. If they really knew why I'm hurting so deeply. If, if they really knew what those people did to me. See, what, what does shame make us do? The same thing it did to Adam and Eve makes us hide. What, what does sin make us do? The same thing it did to Adam and Eve, it makes us, makes us hide. What, what, what does fear and, and failure make us do? It makes us hide. What did COVID make us do? It made us hide. But Jesus is saying to us today, no more hiding. I see you. You don't have to hide today. You don't have to conceal anything today. You don't have to hold on to it today. He is telling your spirit, hand it over. Let me hear from somebody in this house who has lived this testimony. I used to hold it, but I, I, I hold it no more. I handed it to Jesus. Look at, look at uh, Tiana, can we give him verse 10 again? I, I want to kind of just, just belabor this a little bit on verse 10. I won't be long about this, but I don't want you to miss this. Jesus tells him, stretch out your hand. But but do you see it? Jesus never clarifies which hand. He just says, Stretch out your hand. Now had this man been in most American churches today, come on, you know what he would have done? He would have been like, give you my good hand. This is my good side. Hello see see the good part of me see 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 the acceptable part of me see the 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 the, the pretty part of me see 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 see, see the, the part i don't mind showing you that's how it is in most american churches but jesus says stretch forth your hand why didn't he stretch forth his his bad hand because like most of us we can get stuck in in this this cycle and 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 we're trying to break habits and we're trying to break addictions and we're trying to conceal things so that no one knows about it but when we have a problem jesus does not try to act like it's not there jesus doesn't try to act like i i don't see it i pretend like it it doesn't exist what jesus does is he creates an atmosphere where weakness can be revealed so that weakness can be completely healed this is why he said in John chapter eight verse twelve. Check it out. What Jesus said about himself: I am the light of the world. That means everything gets revealed when Jesus is in the room. And I'm just looking for a group of Christians in this church right now that will help me bring the kind of Jesus atmosphere to this church where people show up in their weaknesses and in their failures and in their depression and in their sickness but they can see this is not a place where I am a judge. This is a place where I leave transformed and changed by the love and grace of God. Can I get just 12 Christians Just for a moment, 23 Christians, maybe 100 Christians to help me make this kind of atmosphere where you come in with your weakness, but you leave healed and changed for the glory of God. Come on, children of God, let's move past being judgmental and let's just be like Jesus. In the Old Testament, stretching forth one's hand was a symbol of victory. It was a sign of, of blessing. Genesis 48, Jacob, his name is also Israel. He crosses his hands, stretches forth his right hand and places it on the head of Joseph's younger son, Ephraim. And the blessing goes to the younger son. It's that sign, that symbol of of blessing. In Exodus 14, we know that the, the, the former Hebrew slaves are now standing between the edge of the Red Sea and their former captors coming to take them back into captivity. But at that moment, they're crying out to God. And God says this to Moses in Exodus 14. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can Go through on dry ground, and we know what happened. Two million people plus walked on dry ground across the middle of the Red Sea. The symbol of power and victory. Three chapters later, in Exodus 17, Joshua is leading the people in a battle. The Bible tells us that anytime Moses had his hands upraised, the Israelites were winning. Anytime his hands came down, they began to lose the battle. and The tide turned. So two people decided, let's help Moses out. And they got up underneath him. Aaron and her got up underneath him and held his hands up. And all day long, Israel won that battle because they understood the power. The stretching forth of our hands. And then the very next book in Joshua. Then now the next leader after Moses, Joshua is told by the Lord, stretch out your the spear that is in your hand towards the affor. I will hand it over to you, the symbol in the old covenant of, of victory and blessing. And then we come to the new covenant. Stretching forth your hand is associated with miracles and healings and deliverance. Matthew 14, Jesus takes five loaves and two fish. He looks up to heaven. He gives thanks, and then what happens? He begins to break them with his hands, and as he's breaking he's just giving it to his disciples, and as he's taking five loaves and two fish and giving it to the disciples, the disciples are then giving it to the people, and it keeps going until over 5,000 men, not including women and children, are all fed until they're fat. Come on, somebody. The symbol... Power of miracles, of healing. And Luke 18, this is, uh, this is such a blessing for me. People are bringing their babies, their infants, their children to Jesus so he can place his hands on them and bless them. I don't know if you all get to see this, but Sundays when I'm over here and the kids over here, before they leave, most of them, will, well, they'll come over and, you know, what's going on, everybody? Hallelujah. Make sure your parents are present, okay? I'm not doing anything I should. Hello, somebody. Amen. I love these kids. They're awesome. But they, But they... I don't, I don't even know why this is, but, but, but they associate me with s- Jesus. Good. I hope they see Jesus in me. Even more so, I hope when they go home, they see Jesus in you. <laughs> but he places his hands on them and blesses them. Again, the, the symbol of, of blessing and, and, and the symbol of the miraculous power of God. In, in the book of Acts, verse 30 of chapter 4 stretch out your hand with healing power may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant jesus they're asking god to stretch forth his hand so all throughout scripture what we see is this this is a symbol of power of authority of healing of blessing of victory biblically speaking whether you're right-handed or left-handed the right hand is symbolic of power this is why in Mark chapter 14, verse 62, Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power. Where? At God's right hand. Our hands are what we work with. Our hands are what we, we reach with and we grasp with. And we 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 love with. And we, if necessary, we we fight with. And, 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 and when necessary we throw up our hands and we praise with this man. His right hand, his symbol of power is withered. His, his symbol of work is withered. His, his symbol of reach and grasp and love and fight and praise, it's, it's withered. And here's what's worse. Not that he has a withered hand. Look where he's sitting. In the Jewish church called the synagogue. He is sitting in the synagogue. Not only has he lost his power, but the synagogue clearly has lost its power. It's lost its reach. It's lost its grasp. It's lost its praise. It has lost its fight. So this man outwardly, literally is what the church had become inwardly. A symbol of withered power. And isn't that the reason why when we read this text the religious leaders are so jealous of Jesus? Rev I should say it like this, why they're always jealous of Jesus? Because they had lost their touch. They had lost their reach. They had lost their power. And Jesus simply said this. Every one of their religious traditions have actually nullified and made void the power of the scriptures. Religion had withered and watered down the word of God. So guess what happened? The word of God became flesh and dwelt among them and began to demonstrate again the power of God. Isaiah prophesied this 600 years before Jesus showed up in Isaiah 53. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? I need you to know, the revealed arm of the Lord is Jesus Christ himself. He is the power of God. He is the touch of heaven. When religion stopped reaching, this was God's way of reaching humanity through Jesus. The arm of God revealed. So we see in this text in Luke 6, we see religion withering, but then we see a God stretching. I'm always careful how I say this, but I, as I get older and I read more and more about American denominations, it makes sense why so many American denominations are withering and dying. They, they don't realize that people come to church for God, but all they leave with is a religious experience. You didn't come to hear me. You came for the most high. You didn't come to go through the religious routine. You came because you realized he has been so good, so faithful, so awesome, so present. At least one day out of the week, I can come into his house and say thank you for all you've done. I see this about religious people and I recognize they are notorious for esteeming their principles as more important than the people. Their traditions are more important than the people Jesus bled and died for. So in this very setting, a man with a withered hand, in a withered church, probably just ready to go through another withered traditional church service. Enter Jesus, who is God's heart-stretched Arm. And he shows up to do what religion has failed to do. He heals this man. And as he's prepared to heal, him, religion jumps in. <laughs> Who's screaming at the top of their lungs, you can't do this. It's the Sabbath day. Religion is telling Jesus, you can't do this. Can I encourage somebody here today? Stop being a Pharisee. Stop being a religious bigot. Come on. Don't miss your miracle. Don't miss your Messiah. Don't miss a relationship with God because of your religion. Don't miss the miracle God has for you today because of your religious mindset. I need you to catch what I'm about to say here next because here's what happens. Verse 10 again. Tiana, give him verse 10. Jesus says, stretch forth your I need you to catch this. When Jesus says, stretch forth your hand, the man's hand is still withered. He is still deformed. He is still weak. He 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 still is trying to conceal and hide his issue. But when Jesus says, Stretch forth your hand, I guess the point is what I'm trying to make. This simply means that hearing the word. Is not enough to heal you. I've been, I've been preaching since I was 17 years old. And I have preached the word consistently for, for now 25 years of my life. And you know how many people I've seen hear the word but never receive the word? <laughs> I'll pray for healing like I did 20 minutes ago. A little longer, Pastor, fine, like I did 30 minutes ago. I'll pray for it, and you'll hear the word, but you'll receive nothing. Because it's more than just hearing that brings your healing. It's more than just listening to your favorite YouTube preacher that brings your healing. It's more than just reading about healing. It is more than just hearing. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, hearing only produces faith. That's what it does. I hear the word, so faith then is produced in my heart. But if I want a result, I've got to do more than hear it. I've got to do what the word says. Hearing produces faith. Doing produces my healing. I need you just for a moment. You don't mind. Just, just poke somebody near you. Just poke near. You. This time, I dare you to try. I, I just dare you to try. I dare you to try doing what Jesus tells you to do. I dare you to try being the man that God called you to be. I dare you to try being the woman God called you to be. I dare you to leave your past in the past. I dare you to trust God and step out in faith. I dare you, before you go complaining that church don't work for you, I dare you to try being a doer of the word and not just a hearer. James 1.22 tells us, my daddy taught me this verse when I was a boy. Be ye doers. I know it in King James. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. If all I do is hear it but don't do it, I have deceived. my Satan don't even need to deceive me. I've deceived myself. If all I do is just come and hear the preaching and do nothing with that word. I'm always sowing seed. That's my job. sow seed. Satan's doing his job. He's trying to snatch that seed up like the birds of the air quickly as he can. I'm trying to tell you today, don't just hear what I'm saying. If you need a miracle from God today, do what the Word says to do. Jesus says, stretch forth your hand. Now, I want you to see what Jesus doesn't do. He tells the man, stretch your hand. But What Jesus doesn't do, he never touches the man. Jesus knows this. Here's why. I can't touch this man's hand and restore it because today is the Sabbath day. And I can't do any work. Some will say work it, but not on the Sabbath. No working on the Sabbath. So Jesus is just like, okay, I can't touch this man because I didn't come to break the law, the Pentateuch. I came to fulfill the law. All five books of the Torah and all 39 books of the Old Testament. I came to fulfill every single one of them. So while he's fulfilling the word by not doing the work, the Pharisees are watching. And as they're watching, they're they're stalking Jesus. And they're just like, you can't heal him. It's the Sabbath. Absolutely no working on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is just like, stretch forth your hand. And the man gets healed. And now they're really upset. But Jesus says, I didn't stretch my hand to work. He stretched his hand on a word from my mouth. It wasn't my work that healed him. It was God's will that healed him. I need somebody to help me for just a moment in this place. It is not God's will that you be sick. It is God's will that you be healed. It is not God's will that you be depressed. It is God's will that you be an overcomer. It is not God's will that Satan keep you bound and depressed will to set you free i need some men and women in this place who want his kingdom come and his will to be done in your life say work it lord work your word work your will work it in my life jesus said what's lawful to do good or to do evil Come on, religious people, stay quiet. But God's people speak up and say, I know God's will. It's for me to do good. What's God's will? To destroy life or to save it? <sighs> religious people stay silent. But you don't know make sense to me now, Michael? Now I understand. Jesus says, it wasn't my work. It was my word. Now I... Now, Now I understand why Jesus took matters into his own hands. Just a little play on words, Pastor Bethel. He took matters into his own hands and stood in my place on my cross. Because my work, my work put me there. Oh, my will put me there. But according to Ephesians chapter 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works not by what I've done. I am saved by the completed work of Jesus Christ. When I couldn't do enough good work to earn salvation, when religion reached out his withered hand and became powerless, Jesus did what I couldn't do, what religion couldn't do, and he went all the way to the cross, and he stretched out his hands and gave his life as a ransom for me. I need somebody to take a moment And put your hands together and praise the Savior who on that cross said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirits. That means today, if you're holding on to it, you're holding on to it too long, too much. And Jesus is saying today, do what I did. Father. Into your hands, I commit this weakness. I commit this situation. I commit this relationship. I commit this struggle. Into your hands, I commit this unforgiveness. Into your hands, I commit this sorrow. Into your hands, I commit this this pain in my heart. Into your hands. Because my work hasn't been enough. I commit it to your hands. When the Roman soldiers came and took Jesus captive, that moment when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Rev, what was the very first thing they did? They bound. They bound his hands. Why? Because those hands took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000. Those hands took mud, threw it in the eyes of a blind man, had him washed away, and he was instantly healed. Those hands reached down in the dust and started writing things while... Religious men tried to pick up stones in their hands to kill a woman caught in the act of adultery. Those hands right there touched sick people, demon-possessed people, even the untouchable people called lepers, and every single one of them were healed by those hands. I told you last week, those hands stopped a funeral procession, and those hands reached over and grabbed the head of a 12-year-old girl and brought her back from the dead. Those hands right there, and what caused Dowdy Thomas to stop doubting and just believe when he saw those hands, the hands of the Savior, the hands to whom all power and all authority has been given. I love it how John 3 says this, 335, the Father loved the Son and placed everything. Come on, somebody say this in faith today, Everything. Come on, speak over your situation, everything. Come on, speak over your sorrow and your anger and your, and, and your depression. Speak over it. God placed everything in Jesus' hands, everything in his hands. He has all the power, all the authority. It all belongs to Jesus. And then what did he do with what he got from God? He turned around and he gave it to us. And that's why he said in John 14, he said this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. If you recognize in this place you could do nothing to earn salvation, you don't deserve to even be here today, but he has reached into your hidden spots, pulled out your weakness, exposed it, and healed it. Can you help me by now throwing up holy hands in this place? Come on, somebody. What's my response to his work? To stretch out my hands and praise him. My response to his power is to stretch out my hands and love him. My response to his grace that I don't deserve is to say thank you Jesus for all that you've done. Come on, can I get 50 people in this place to stretch forth your response to the Lord and worship your great God. As you're worshiping, you might as well say what David said in Psalms 143. I remember the old days. I meditate on all your works. I consider the works of your hands and I stretch my hands back to you and say thank you lord come on lift up a sound of praise in this place today thank you jesus thank you jesus stand your feet with me all over this room psalm 63 4 says i will praise you as long as i live and in your name i will lift up my hands I don't know what kind of religious experience you're used to but in this place we do what the scriptures say and in his name we lift up our hands just for a moment can you just lift those hands to heaven with me especially to every one of you who 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 believe he's worthy of not just this moment not just this sunday if you believe he's worthy of your life then help me praise him all the days of your life by beginning today come on get your eyes off me and it's your hands just stretched out to the Father we want to say thank you that seven days post Easter you've called us back to your house you called us back to a place of blessing back to a place of hope back to a place of victory and it's in this place where I don't have to hide anything anymore. I don't have to conceal my weakness. I don't have to pretend like everything's okay when it's clearly not. I'm holding up my hands to you, God, because I need you to reach your hand back to me. I need your will to be done in my life today. Come on, stretch those hands just a moment longer. I know the arms are getting tired, but you're teaching your physical body to bless the Lord with all that is inside of you. Come on, come on, just a few more seconds. Let's just praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. I thank God. I meditate on all your work. I remember everything you've done, and I lift my hands, and I say, thank you. I stretch my hands to you. I stretch my power to you. I stretch my weakness to you. I stretch my shame to you. I stretch my struggle to you, and I say, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Transform me, Lord. It's here in this place. I don't have to pretend anymore. I don't have to hide anymore. With your hands raised, go and take a look at your hands for just a moment. Take a look at your hands. What do we see? We look at our hands and, and we see something that we, that we work with. Something we, we are about to do in a few moments, eat with, come on, hallelujah. Something that we, we will brush our hair and, 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 and brush our teeth and, and we'll shoot hoops. With these hands and and come on somebody every now and then we'll we'll swipe a debit card at church with these hands and and but most definitely we might slap a child with these hands hello somebody all the things we do with with these hands and i need you to know this what do you think god sees when he sees your hands he doesn't just see your work what he sees is unlimited potential in those hands unlimited potential to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Unlimited potential to see these hands be a blessing to everyone who needs it. These hands to do the work of the kingdom. When God sees your hands, he sees miraculous working power being demonstrated through his outstretched hand in your hands. Father, I am asking today that we stop looking at our hands and limiting the work you are ready to do through us. You are sitting next to somebody who's got a hidden weakness. And instead of judging them for it, instead of condemning them for it, God wants to use your hands to bring about a healing where there has been weakness, to bring about deliverance where there's been a struggle, to bring about an authoritative, miraculous power. Well, there's been nothing but shame and sorrow. God, use these hands for your glory. Let me pray over two people right now. The people who are still hiding something. Come on, it's time to hand it over. You've been hiding it too long. It's time to hand it over. Hand it over. Hand it over. David, give me just a little bit more, sir. I want to speak to those things just for a moment. That you thought... No one really knows. It's my private, personal struggle. It's, it's the demons or the skeletons hidden in my closet. Nobody knows, but Jesus does. And Jesus is in this room not to expose your shame, to heal you from the power it's held over you. Somebody help me right now. Father, we speak to this atmosphere. May this become a place where people gladly bring their weaknesses because they freely know they're going to be healed of them. Come on, I'm not saying go out and live a life of sin, but if you did, bring it here so we can see you transformed by the power of God. If you have addictions to alcohol or drugs or prescription medication, if you are bound by some kind of demonic power, don't try to hide it. It's in this atmosphere that Jesus is going to point it out anyway. You might as well show it so we can get healed. So that not, so that so we don't expose your shame, but so that God gets the glory for healing you from the problem. My God. Somebody help me for just a moment, because I don't want to talk to walls. People build their walls when I talk about these things. This has to be an atmosphere that is judgment-free, that is condemnation-free. It has to. It has to. The people that God is sending to this ministry are hiding all sorts of weaknesses, and we have to be a place where they can bring it and get healed from it let me know exactly what I'm talking about because at one point in time in your life you used to try to hide it here as well but isn't there so much more freedom and just saying here's the weakness God heal it here's the thing I've been trying to conceal reveal it so you can heal it oh my god oh my god lord I thank you today that people are going to bring their stuff out of hiding and hand it over just hand it over hand it over Help me all over this room. Just pray this simple prayer for me. Say, Dear Lord, I come to you fully aware of my weakness, fully aware of what I'm trying to hide, but in your grace, you're calling me out. So I believe as I show my weakness, you're going to show your strength and heal me in Jesus' name. Amen come on hand it over to God child hand it hand it over to God 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 hand it to him today Second thing I told you to pray for two things and I'm done. I Want to pray for every one of you who know that your hands? Are meant to do the work of His will If that's you throw those hands up real high we're gonna say Lord I commit my work my will my words to your will my hands are your hands work your power work my potential bring healing bring deliverance bring blessing build people transform people heal people help people bless people through these hands in jesus name come on if you're committed to doing god's work come on and say amen clap your hands all ye people and shout unto god with a voice of triumph amen and amen i'm handing it over i hand it over amen